what's the big thing that you're you think investors should focus on in in 2024? In 2024, Is, you know, I think going into 2024, um, and I've been saying this, I've been saying this all year, and I'm going to continue to say it until I think that that the market has recovered. Is is real estate, you know, and I really like publicly traded real estate because not everybody can afford to be a landlord, right? Yeah. Like to buy a property and rent that property out, but everybody yeah, can afford to be a butt. landlord by investing in publicly traded real estate. And most of these publicly traded real estate companies operate under a structure that requires them to distribute uh, at least 90% of their pre-tax profits yeah. to investors. So you get these steady income streams. It's literally like getting rent yeah. checks from tenants. All right, let's get started. Welcome to the Angel Research Podcast. Again, some Jasons here, Jason yeah. Williams. Uh, I'm Jason Freert. Uh, let's jump right into it. Did you watch any of the predictions episode that we just completed? I with, always watch the predictions of course, episodes. With, uh, Come on, I want to so, see what everybody's talking yeah, about. Yeah, so, so what do you think? Do you, you know, it uh, seems well, relatively bullish uh, for the next year. Um, things are lining up for for a good year. Uh, are, are you on that side or cautiously optimistic? I would say I would say I'm more like the cautiously optimistic. I went into last year super cautious, you know, I mean, after 2022, yeah, everybody absolutely. was super cautious. And I was definitely among them. Um, you know, I did not expect the economy to be as resilient as it had been to the rate cuts. Um, I didn't expect the consumer to be as resilient as we have been, um, or not the rate cuts, the rate hikes, uh, to inflation and everything. Um, but you know, I was proven wrong. And, uh, fortunately, you know, I, I I'm always the kind of person that's telling people like, you don't sell when you have a bad feeling, you just don't add new money, you know? Right. So I got to participate in all of that stuff. Um, you know, like I had been adding, uh, Nvidia back in 2022 when it had dropped really low. That's one of my biggest positions. Um, I've been building that since it was like a 20 or $40 stock. And so, you know, I got to participate in that AI uh, rally. So that was great. You know, my investors have participated in a lot of stuff. Real estate has been perking up. You know, I've been pounding the table on that. And so I'd have to say cautiously optimistic. I'm definitely bullish, but not, you know, just generally bullish. You know, right. I don't think that index investing is going to be, you know, the easy money that it that it has been in the past. I think that targeted investments are going to do really well. I think that certain sectors are going to do really right. well. I definitely agree, um, you know, with our, our founder and president there our fearless leader, Brian Hicks, about real estate. You know, I've been pounding the table. He and I have been talking about real estate privately all year, you mm -hmm. know, um, trading different, you know, real estate investment trusts. And, you know, look at this yield, look at these assets, like, look at this, uh, you know, it's just... Um, uh, it, it's a great time to be buying that, locking in super high yields. I think that real estate has a big recovery coming. I think it's start. I mean, I think it's already started, and I think it really continues next year. Commodities. Um, you know, I've said uh, I hate to I hate to quote him because Jim Cramer says it a lot, but I think it's the time to own companies that that you know own things and make stuff. You know, as opposed to companies that own intellectual property and, you know, just somehow make money. Yeah. If we go down the AI path, that's in a very interesting angle because, you know, there's this debate over the data that the AI is trained on and is it sort of like violating people's intellectual property rights. Right. But that's a really it good seems question. like the cat is sort of already out of the bag. Oh, so, you know, it's it, it's been trained, it's out there and it's not like 
it's using it's like a person right you take in information and you sort of use that to formulate your mm-hmm. own view and then you produce whatever you produce on it yep definitely um, i mean that's what we do here i mean that's what i do i i you know i'm not just coming up with ideas you know off the top of my head i'm i'm, I'm out there looking at what other people other yeah people you're reading a lot saying, yeah following the people arguments are right are. following the people that you know and trust that mm-hmm, have a good worldview mm-hmm. that aren't sort of compromised yep. Yep. You know, and everybody's got an angle. Just copying them, but really, you know, taking the things from 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 them that I like, and the things you know, and and right. and looking at what they're saying, and and maybe like considering it from a different perspective, and seeing some different things in it. Uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, and I think hopefully that's what our readers are doing. You know, we have a a good staff of um, newsletter writers and market researchers here. Um, but they're probably subscribed to other newsletters. They're reading other. Um, you know, websites and, and sort of hopefully, you, you know, you sort of amalgamate all that together and to form your own strategy. Yep, and exactly. that's sort of what we want to do. We don't want anybody to bl- fo- blindly follow you or no, Brian or, we don't or want anybody to blindly else. follow anybody. You right. Know, when we talk about not blindly following people, we mean don't blindly follow us either. You know, you want to, you, you've got to be out there. You've got to be making your own decision. You've got to be the master of your own destiny. You can't put it in somebody else's hands. You know, we can help you. We can give you guidance. Um, and that's exactly what we want to do. But we also want to encourage people to really, you know, to really take their future into their own hands. Don't just, you know, don't just just rely on somebody else because, I mean, look where that gets us. You know? Yeah, absolutely. We're, uh, we want to empower people to uh, make their own decisions and feel confident about those decisions. Definitely. Um, some of the hardest things now that we were talking about with this recovery is, you know, you look back in the downturns and the best time to buy is when people do not want to buy or they're nervous yep. and that's yep. psychological it, for people that is very hard yep. psychologically and, and much credit to brian and i think uh last year uh alex koifman was on the podcast with him uh when he made his predictions we had, both of them were bullish both of them i they almost they almost called the bottom in bitcoin to the day yeah you know mm-hmm. um they were some of the only people that were that were bullish you know um I was, I like to say I'm always optimistic, but I was very cautious, you know, and it's very tough because everywhere you hear like, this is, you know, this is fucked. This is, you know, going down screwed and the more you hear it, but you almost have to train yourself when you hear that to be like, Hmm, okay, let me look into this, especially if it's something that historically has always rebounded and 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 has actual value. um, There's this thing that they call the wall of worry. Right. You know, the stock market market always climbs a wall of worry. There's a lot of people with cash on the sidelines. They're worried that the stock market's going to go down. And basically, eventually, as the stock market continues to go up, that that worry shifts from being worried that it's going to go down to being worried that they're going to miss out on the gains. Right. And so those people, you know, they incrementally put more and more money in and that ends up driving the stock market. up. Yeah. And we definitely have not hit that. There's a lot of cash on the sidelines. I, I mean, I know personally, just with the higher interest rates, it, when when things are going, I'm like, I'm going to sit in a savings account or a CD and get yeah. this yield. Why not get my 5%? You know, right. inflation. Uh, it's, there's no risk to it. I, I love it. That's great. And a lot of people decided to do that. A lot of people put money into bonds. A lot of people put money into money market accounts. Uh, I read recently that um, in a survey that they did that something like 96% of the population thinks that something – basically thinks that like things are bad. Yeah, the times are bad. The economy remains resilient. The consumer is slowing down a little bit, pulling back some, but remains strong. 
Uh, but basically, everybody is terrified that that everything's broken and that nothing's going to work again. And yeah. that's one of those times, man, when you get 96 percent, that's almost 100 percent. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, you're never going to get to 100 percent because there's always going to be those one or two contrarians out there who are like, oh, man, everybody's terrified. I need to get greedy right now. And, you know, I've been beating the table about real estate this year and basically saying that. And a lot of people have have reached out to me, subscribers, people who have been, you know, with me for years and years. And they're like, what are you thinking, man? This is the (laughs) dumbest thing I've ever heard you say. And I'm like, you obviously don't know me that well. I've said much dumber. (laughs) Uh, Just ask my wife. Um, No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, if you ask her, she will probably have some pretty dumb things to tell you that I've said. Um, But but no, I mean, nobody wanted to buy real estate. And, you know, you're talking about uh, publicly traded REITs that are paying out dividends of 11, 12, 13 percent. And the reason they're paying those high dividends is not because they're paying more money than they can afford to. It's because their stock price has gotten hammered so hard. And uh, there's one that we really like. I'll just go ahead and give it out. It's Innovative Industrial Properties. It's my Mm -hmm. favorite. Yeah, Brian's Uh, been on that for uh, a while. Brian loves it. I think actually, I I think that stock uh, helped to uh, help to buy the offices that that, that we operate out of. Um, Oh, yeah. He was in on that super early. Yeah, we got in very early. We got in around like $17 a share. It ran up as high as $300 a share uh, back in 2021. Pulled back. But this is the thing. It went on, I want to say, a 15% rally throughout November. It's still yielding above 9%. Yeah. You can still lock in a guaranteed 9%. And this is the cool thing with this one, right? We got into it like before it started raising its dividends and stuff. So those original shares we bought, I want to say in 2017, 2018, I think 2017, uh, those shares are now making 25%, a little bit more than 25% a year in dividends alone. If the right. stock doesn't move at all, those shares are still worth 25% more every year. Yeah, and we would be remiss without um, talking about uh, Charlie Munger, who recently mm. passed away. And, you know, he actually, it was several, um, he was in the news several months ago because he had talked about how he basically had invested, I think, $1,000 in, or I think it was only $1,000 back in 1970. Mm-hmm. And he was making. $70,000 a year just on that, just in dividends on that. It's so impressive. 10,000%. It's impressive. Uh, um, basically a 10,000% dividend. Now, it's, you know, 1970 to now, that's a long time, but it just really reiterates. Yeah, it and drives the point home. Think about how much uh, stock Berkshire Hathaway owns in McDonald's, right? They now every year receive more money in dividends from that investment than they invested in yeah. McDonald's to begin with. Yeah. You know, and it's amazing. I saw a stock chart, man. Charlie Munger, um, Warren Buffett, you know, a legend, right? But Charlie Munger gets sort of like overshadowed by Buffett because, you know, everybody, Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett. But if you look at the uh, work of the Berkshire Hathaway stock price from 1978 to this week, um, it's beat the S&P 500 by like 4,000 times. It's ridiculous, the outperformance. You know, Buffett says you can't beat the S&P 500. Munger says, watch me. Yeah. You know, and so that was just really impressive. We definitely lost a legend. I mean, obviously, you know, the guy was what, close to 100 years old? He was 99 years old. So, I I mean, that's great. I think we all, yeah, I think we all hope to, to get to get to that point so oh definitely you know and we hope to see you know those people live forever but we you know we all sort of knew that that both of them you know everybody's been talking about you know what's going to happen to berkshire hathaway yeah. you know buffett and, and munger are both getting older so you know we definitely lost a legend there um and you know want to send out 
prayers to his family. You know, it's always hard to lose a loved uh, one. A good life and a very rich and very, very wealthy well life. lived life. I, I love some of the stories about him. Uh, one of my favorite ones is Warren, Warren Buffett said that, uh, he said, Charlie's idea of traveling in style is a bus with air conditioning. <laughs> I love a guy like that, man. You know, this guy's one of the richest folks of the world. You know, Warren Buffett the same way, still lives in the like, you know, three bedroom house that he bought back in the 1970s, buys cars that are hail damaged, you know, doesn't ride around in a limousine um, you know, only flies in that private jet because it, it makes him more valuable to Berkshire Hathaway's investors. Right. But you know, I, I love that those guys are. If they weren't so, if they weren't so famous, you wouldn't have any idea who they were, and they'd still be just as rich. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we were talking before this started about a trip you're you're heading on. Yeah. Is it next week? I am. I'm really excited, man. I tell you what, this this uh, this job. I mean, I got to travel a lot when I was at Morgan Stanley too, but never cool things like this. I mean, I was always going to different banks and you know different customers and stuff. Every once in a while, it's fun because you get to you know go to a, a client in a Caribbean island or something like right. that. But you're still in in meeting rooms. So next week, I'm flying down to Miami, um, and then from there, I'm going to take a uh, private jet. Um, a um, little humble brag there. And it's not because I, like, you know, can afford to travel on private jets all the time. It's because this is literally the only way that you can get to the place that I'm going. I'll be flying into the Kennedy Space Center um, at Cape Canaveral, uh, you know, behind uh, NASA lines and stuff. I actually had to apply for uh, special clearance from the military to get there. They're on super high alert with everything that's going on in the Middle East right now. And the um, aliens. And the aliens, too, of course, you know, because this is NASA. So, like, you know, we, we, that's where we hide the alien technology <laughs> there and uh, at uh, Northrop Grumman or Lockheed Martin. Lockheed, Lockheed, Lockheed. Martin, yeah. Um, but anyway, it's, uh, it's really cool. What I'm going to get to see is um, the world's only privately owned fleet of supersonic uh, fighter jets. And so now these are former military jets uh, that have had all the, you know, military things removed. So there's Okay, no... so they were they were built for the military. These are built for the military. They're the F-104. Um, and so it's a supersonic jet. It was the first jet to achieve Mach 2, I believe. Um, like when would they have been built? certain records. Uh, so they were originally built, I want to say in the 19, late 1980s, early 1990s. Okay. They were still in military service um, up until 2005. Uh, they're no longer in active military service, but the military still uses them for things like research. Um, for uh, they used to use them for surveillance. They'll still they'll use them for things like uh, pilot training, mm -hmm. war games, things like that. So these are still you know used by militaries. They around still the fly. World. They still fly. Um, and these ones are, are basically, they offer sort of a cheaper alternative than renting the military stuff, right? Um, they've been stripped down. So, you know, um, the nose cone on a plane, it's actually, I just learned this, it's actually uh, referred to as the radome, right? Because that is where the radar for the mm -hmm. plane sits. It lives in that nose cone. So this isn't a military plane anymore. So they've taken the radar out. So that nose cone is now open for scientific equipment. Um, you know, the plane can carry missiles. Obviously, they're not going to be using missiles for research, so it can carry research equipment under the wings. Uh, it's got extra fuel tanks. Um, it can be used. So this is the cool thing. I, I, I don't know if anybody out there has ever heard of the Vomit Comet. Um, is that that's when you go up and then you go that's down? That's what they call yep. zero gravity training for astronauts, right. the Vomit Comet, because it's a supersonic jet that goes up and then down. And uh, it can induce uh, about like a minute worth of weightlessness on the down because right. it's going down so fast, right? But then they... Phew, pull back up and you get that super heavy gravity. It's it's like extra G's, you know, yeah. three or four G's instead of just one. 
Um, and uh, so this plane, now they haven't actually tested it themselves, but according to NASA's calculations, when NASA was working with the military to use these planes as a vomit comet, uh, it can do two, um, what do they call them? Two, I, I would say, I guess loops, but they're what? Um, hyperbola? Parabola? Hyperbola? Yeah, don't quote Man, me. my old math teacher's going to get so upset with me for that <laughs> An one. An up but, and down. But yeah, they can do two up and downs, um, and the weightlessness will last from uh, 45 to 65 seconds. Mm -hmm. So it's a good amount of time, you know, for weightless training. They can be used for astronaut training. They still are used for astronaut yeah. training. Um, and so anyway, this company um, hopes to... Uh, one, you know, get get research contracts um, from, you know, research organizations, schools, things like that. Also work with the military, um, you know, to uh, to basically, you know, when we when we lose a military jet, we're losing like, you know, billions and billions of dollars worth of money. These guys are a little bit less expensive at like millions of dollars, um, you know, so it's a it's a cheaper alternative to, to those. Um, but these jets can also be used. And this is a really cool part to launch satellites. Yeah, right. So go. they can fly like all the way up to the stratosphere and they can okay. launch satellites out. It makes much cheaper than sending them up in one of those big heavies that, you know, oh, SpaceX yeah. has. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's much more. Yeah, um, that would like they're launching them like low or low Earth orbit, I exactly, guess. Not like yeah. the super high ones, but like. Yeah, the, no, yeah. no, not the super high ones, but low Earth orbit. Um, and so they're able to launch uh, launch satellites with these. And uh, so I'm going down to check out the company to, you know, see their fleet, to meet with the management. I've talked to uh, the executives on the phone. You know, we've done Zoom meetings and stuff. And now I want to see what they yeah. have in person. And this is part of the process. And this is a this is currently a private Company, this is it's right, currently a private right. so, company. So you're, you know, one of your uh, services is called Main Street Ventures, where you're you're researching and and sort of kicking the tires on a lot of these private Definitely. companies that are raising money uh, off of the stock market. And so you're not just, you know, googling some. No, you know, company no, and being, oh, this really is good. Okay, it. you're actually talking to the people, and now you're going down to actually check it out because more often than not, you, I'm sure you'd be surprised. Like, you know, the fancy stuff on the website doesn't actually match up to oh, what yeah. is actually happening. Oh, yeah. There's and so, huge companies yeah. that you know trade on the Nasdaq and stuff like that. That like their website uh, and their headquarters are two entirely different things. You know, their website is very professional and their headquarters is like in a shared working space with a bike shop next door. Right. You know, and they trade on the NASDAQ somehow, you know. So, I mean, you really, really do need to get boots on the ground and go check these things out. Um, you know, I invested in a, uh, a cannabis company in Colombia. Right. I flew to Columbia to check out that company because, I mean, you got to you got to see what's actually there because it's really easy to, I mean, Photoshop pictures. I mean, shoot. Well, an AI now, AI, right? Like, yeah. You can tons just, of stuff. Absolutely. And it's really yeah. hard to, to know that. I know Chinese companies were getting uh, like a, a real bad rap there because of the secret secretness of just the Chinese government over oh, yeah, there. Yeah. And so and there's some good companies in there, but there was also a lot of just overall scams mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. no one could really unravel no definitely so you really gotta you gotta meet the people you gotta get FaceTime with the executives you know because a good idea and a good company are one thing but you gotta have a team that you can invest in you're investing in people you know and mm -hmm. the people that are running the company um, you know you look at uh, look at what just happened with OpenAI, right they decided that they were gonna fire the CEO Sam Altman they almost lost the entire company yeah you know I mean that's how important the people are you know, because the people make up the company. Like OpenAI still has all of the IP, still has all of the whatever software, hardware, whatever they own. What do you think happened but there? But without him, people do you think were like, there was 
Uh, do you buy into the the reasons why he was ousted? I've like heard that so he, many that rumors. they invented AGI right, artificial they, general. They, they have a super it. yeah, and they got scared and they tried to boot him because he's the poster boy uh-huh, he for that, is. and he, he's not that controversial like a uh, Elon or or some of these other guys, but mm-hmm. to just randomly be ousted. So and then I brought really, back. I really don't know. You know, it's a really like that's definitely an interesting an interesting theory, and and it could be. You know, um, one thing that I've heard is that also he just wasn't very communicative with the board. You yeah. know, he was really secretive, and that's the thing is that like people don't think about this because they're like, oh, the CEO, that's the head of the company. No, he's not. The board of directors is right. When it's, well, clearly they booted him out. Yeah, yeah, they did. And Microsoft now gets, and now it's a three member board with Microsoft having a non voting seat. Yeah. Um, I think this is what. I was just picturing um, uh, Satya Nadala, like Microsoft CEO in the background, doing right. one of those Mr. Burns, like, excellent. Like, yeah. I can't wait until they fire this guy because I was going to have to pay billions of dollars for this company, and I'm going to get it for free. Yeah, and so that's that's an angle there, too. And it's just an interesting setup. Um, yeah, and I don't believe with... for a second that Microsoft was blindsided by that. Yeah. Nobody puts that kind of money into a company and knows absolutely nothing about what's going on at it. Yeah, there was some weird stuff with them, like shutting off access to ChatGPT for Microsoft employees a couple of weeks before that. Mm-hmm. And so there was definitely something strange mm-hmm. going on there. Um, and that OpenAI is just a, a weird setup company in general because it's essentially a, like a nonprofit foundation with an arm mm-hmm. that has a capped for-profit Right. So it's not just like the a traditional Facebook no, or Microsoft where they can, can IPO do. for for billions. You know, when I was in business school, we partnered with um, some of my classmates and I partnered with some nonprofits in the Baltimore area basically to create a for-profit wing of their company that they could then use to generate revenue to redirect the nonprofit because, you know, these guys live and die on donations a lot of the time. Yeah. And when times are tough, people don't make as many donations to charity because charity starts at home, right? You know, so people don't make as many donations. These companies do need, like, a way to keep themselves going. This one seems a little bit suspicious because it's like, oh, let's take a couple of billion dollars of donations from these guys and these guys. Yeah, I mean, Elon Musk has has provided some of the seed stuff. we're going to be a public or, or, you know, we're going to be a a profitable company or a for-profit company. Yeah. Yeah, and I think at the end of the day, that that seemed to be maybe what was going on there mm-hmm. is Altman sort of noticed what they had was extremely valuable, and they were sort of limited by the thing. And by I think their, their their movements, you know, behind the scenes to at least try to capitalize and monetize definitely, what they have definitely. to the best of their ability. So it's I just wonder, definitely a weird thing with Microsoft and that whole no, thing. No, it definitely but, is. And you mentioning that, you know, Microsoft employees were taken off chat, or were, yeah. had their access revoked. That makes me wonder that, hey, maybe it wasn't the AGI. Maybe they rolled out an update, you know, too quickly because ChatGPT, you know, version yeah. four or whatever did just get a lot better. Well, maybe they rolled that update out and it turns out that they hadn't really paid too much attention to like the security in yeah. said update. Mm-hmm. Because that's what a lot of these companies do. I mean, you look at the crypto space, right? All of these companies were just they were just so desperate to get out there to market and be able to, you know, be a part of it that they didn't pay any attention to safety and people lost billions of dollars. Yeah, people to were hacks stealing and stuff. The, yeah, yeah, people were just stealing them. stuff left and right. Yeah. Mount Gox was the first one. Yeah. And that was huge. 
And then you had it just happen like all over the place. And it was because these companies, they rushed things out the door, which sometimes is okay. I mean, that's how you work technology. You rush the thing well, out and then you send out updates later. Yeah. You know? And there is seemingly a, the, the, the time to market and the competition is rapidly increasing. There's this fear of, you know, who's going to hit this, like you said, AGI or have the, the mega app first, mm -hmm. and then everybody else is going to be kind of left behind. So the incentives of pushing forward and maybe having a catastrophic, and, and, and it seems like that's maybe what some of the board members were are concerned about. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure. I mean, communication is definitely big, you know, so if that was, uh, that's reason enough, you know, to terminate a CEO, if they're not communicating, if maybe like they're doing something that could um, endanger the company, endanger the investors, put them at risk, and they're not letting the board in on it. You know, they're trying to they're trying to hide it. Well, he's back now, so he's back. I guess we'll see yeah. uh, where. And it, it really is amazing because looking back, we talked about the predictions episode of last year that we just launched um, last week, and it was basically around that time last year that ChatGPT launched, mm -hmm. and so we're just over a year of having this product out oh. there that has just rapidly changed. So what's coming down the the pike here in terms of just AI, not just with OpenAI and ChatGPT, but all the stuff that has just improved the over the year. Oh, it's yeah. going to be it's going to be an interesting and 2024. That, that should be a little caveat to what I said earlier about companies, you know, that that own IP and and just make money. Um, is that I do think that there is there's still a lot of growth for the AI market. I think that it is going to be like the big driver for um, for big tech companies. Um, you know, I like I said, I'm invested in Nvidia. I love it. You know, it's it's tough for me to for me to buy shares. You know, at the levels that they're at now. But I honestly do think that that they do have more to grow. They have more room to grow. Um, you know, AI is still in its early stages and this is the thing it's it's been around for over a decade it's just that like it's this generative ai that just came out and and now this growing adoption of it and and the the rapidity the the fast the the quickness yeah and now the money's coming in yeah and that's just like early stages of the internet you know it was mm -hmm. slow and you kind of had to be like a nerd with a mm -hmm. you actually had to have a computer and a modem mm -hmm. and it was like oh. you had to understand some sort of programming language it didn't have to be anything you right. know, too big but you know you had to know some of it uh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, we're in the early stages, but adoption for this is faster than any technology in history, you know. And so I, I think it's just going to continue to grow. There's a lot of money to be made. Like you said, though, you know, nobody knows who's going to be that company that, you know, hits it out of the park first, that nails it first. And so as a little segue here, that's why I and my investors in the Wealth Advisory are sort of going through a back door and betting on something that we know is a guarantee, which is that companies that are, that, that basically the AI market is going to mean a huge increase for the data storage market, mm -hmm. right? AI just requires tons and tons of data, yep. right? And as fast as internet connections are, they are, you know, they are limited. They are not instant, right? So all of these companies have servers on their headquarters, right? And that's where they are, and that's where their programs live, and that's where, you know, they live, so they can access this stuff super fast. But me, you know, I'm over here in Baltimore, or psh, when I'm at home, I'm out in West Virginia, right? And I want to access something in Silicon Valley, that's got to come all the way across the country. It takes time. It's not instant, right? So they need access to, to me, 
they need a place for their data to, to hang out near me, near you, near people in New York, near people in D.C., near people in Miami. And they don't own, you know, headquarters in all of those places. So they have to find companies that do. And that's exactly what we've done. And, and most of these companies share their profits with shareholders. So we're basically just going to get paid because AI is going to grow. Yeah, it's it needs to be a, a distributed network mm-hmm. out there. And, yeah. you know, n- not only... You know, do you need to store and these like the data, but just the actual processors, the GPUs that go in? I mean, that's oh, really so like much. you said, that's really so the much. Nvidia story. Yeah. Story is, is that, that basically everybody everybody has to wants those now. chips, and mm-hmm. so but there's where do those chips live? Where does all that data live? Mm-hmm. And um, you need to this is the cloud that everybody used to talk about. Yeah, you it's... know, and and the cloud is privately owned, you know, it's not and it's not owned by Microsoft. Mm-hmm. It's not owned by OpenAI. It's not owned by Google. Like they all have their own cloud servers or cloud services. But you know, they, they don't own the whole thing. You know, they're using other people's stuff. Yeah, and you guys have been on that for a while yeah. um, in the wealth advisory. So that's an, another one of these plays where you can get the dividends coming mm-hmm. in and the capital appreciation. Yeah, it's as the pick they and grow. shovel plays. You know, I love these pick and shovel plays. They, you know, they they harken back. I'm sure everybody's heard it. Like back in the uh, the the good old days of, of 49ers in California, and people would come out to seek their fortune mining gold. Well, most of them went back broke if they went back at all. Uh, the guys who made money were, you know, like the uh, uh, the Wells brothers and the Fargo brothers, right? Who set up Wells Fargo? Right? That's a pretty common name. People know that. Levi Strauss, right? Levi's jeans. Yeah. Um, you know, people who sold picks and shovels. People who sold things that the miners needed. And so, what we look for at the wealth advisory is we look for big trends like this, big trends like AI, like cloud growth, like streaming. And then we're like, okay, what are the companies that are providing what's necessary for these services to work? You know, like. Who does Netflix rely on? You know, who uh, is OpenAI going to rely on? You know, um, who are all of these streaming services? Who are all of these AI programs going to rely on? Who are all of these cannabis companies going to rely on? Innovative industrial properties. You know, that was a great one um, because they don't grow weed. They don't sell weed. They might smoke weed. I don't know them personally. (laughs) But, like, they make tons of money off of weed because they provide the one thing that you have to have for weed, which is a place to grow it. Yeah, and these – I mean, you've seen this with any of these AI companies that, I mean, there's a lot of AI companies out there that you see that are really just piggybacking off of open AI's base models and, and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And like, while they are AI companies, it's not like they built the technology, they're right. just living on they're it. They're sort of licensing it. Right. So mm-hmm. you're going even a, even a level deep there yeah. where all these people that are building all this stuff on top. The base layer is yep. where this stuff is stored, where yeah. it's processed. All these people the data need OpenAI. Yeah. Who does OpenAI need? Yeah. Yep. They need these guys. Yeah. You know? And they're really not company agnostic, too. So, like, you can, uh, you know, if they're supplanted by somebody else, oh, they're yeah. going to need the same thing. Oh, yeah. They're going to need the all players, the pipes. Uh, one of the players that we uncovered, right, they uh, have partnerships with Google, with Microsoft, yeah. with NVIDIA, with um uh, Hewlett Packard Enterprises with, um, uh, gosh, names are escaping me, but I mean, these huge, huge, basically every cloud provider, you know, every cloud, everybody who has a, who has some sort of cloud, you know, service that they offer, these guys already partner with them. 
you know, so they are company agnostic. It doesn't matter. And that's why I really like these is that like, it doesn't matter. Is Microsoft going to maintain the lead? Is Google going to catch up? Is, uh, is, is X formerly Twitter going to come yeah. out of nowhere with an everything app? Yeah. Doesn't matter. Some, yeah. Some company you haven't even heard me. of yet. I don't even care. Because they all need this, mm-hmm. you know, they all need, and they all need to get it from from a few specific companies, you know. So it doesn't matter who wins, because me and my investors are going to. Yeah, that's exciting. I um, love it. And that's a that's a wealth advisory. That is. Play that is. Maybe we can put a link uh, in the uh, description. Below yeah, here. absolutely. So sounds like a lot of exciting things going into twenty twenty four. Do you have a what's the what's the big thing that you're you think investors should focus on in in twenty twenty four? In 2024, is, you know, I think going into 2024, um, and I've been saying this, I've been saying this all year, and I'm going to continue to say it until I think that that the market has recovered is is real estate, you know, and I really like publicly traded real estate because not everybody can afford to be a landlord, right? Yeah. Like to buy a property and rent that property out, but everybody yeah, can afford to be a butt. landlord by investing in publicly traded real estate. And most of these publicly traded real estate companies operate under a structure that requires them to distribute uh, at least 90% of their pre-tax profits to investors. So you get these steady income streams. It's literally like getting rent checks from tenants. And and we're not talking about, well, I mean, maybe some of them like house like uh, actual houses we're we're more well some of oh, them yeah. there Industrial but we're talking about estate, right commercial because um, really commercials, commercials take commercials taken a hit like yeah, you said so this has. is the contrarian play here because mm-hmm. you had the covid thing and then the return to office that didn't um, really that, quite yeah and it's yet. still i mean we're there's a lot of government um you know workers in this area and still you know we probably you know you throw a you know, a nickel and you're going to hit, you know, somebody that works for some agency and it's like, oh, you're back in the office yet? They're like, no, they delayed it again. Uh-huh. And 2024, a lot of them have finally. Yeah. And I, I think Biden even came out yeah. and was like, because they realized that, look, these cities and these sort of communities, if they cannot. They need, you know, have the workforce in there, then they are going to really, Definitely. really struggle. I mean, look um, at how bad San Francisco's going. Like all of their stores are pulling out because there's no workers yeah. there. You know, restaurants are closing, bars are closing. Nobody's going out to lunch or happy hour. Yeah. Um, they definitely need it. And you also got to figure, I mean, like the government, right? The government doesn't own most of the buildings that they Mm-mm. put people in, that their agencies are in. They rent them. Right. And they still have to pay the rent, whether those people are in there or not. They didn't get a break like everybody else did, you know, yeah. from 2020 to 2022 on, on paying rent. You know, they had to continue paying, you know, and these are specially built offices, you know, because government agencies require, you know, uh, certain security procedures, you know, certain, uh, you know, different uh, just different types of, of, of uh, buildings entirely. And, uh, you know, so you've definitely got that. I think we're going to see a lot more back to work. Uh, we're already, you're already sort of seeing it in Europe. Um, and I think that's going to carry over to the U.S. And commercial real estate trusts have just gotten crushed. Uh, there are some great ones out there. There are some who literally only do business with the government and government contractors. Right. So, I mean, like you're guaranteed to have tenants there for a long time. Um, collecting those rent checks, a lot of them are yielding you know, 9, 10, 11, 12%, you can lock that in now. And that yield, it's going to eventually go down as the stock price goes up. But if you lock it in, it'll stay that on those shares that you bought forever. Yeah. You know, so if you pay $10 and a stock's yielding 
10%, you're going to continue to get a dollar on those $10 shares forever, even when those shares are worth 20 bucks, you know? Yeah, and these are companies that have paid out dividends for, I mean, like, for, for like, going back 20 plus years. Yeah. Like, these aren't just like, hey, we popped up, we're going to give a dividend for a year no. just because, They've like, they just for consistently. A long time. Like they you said, they're required them. to. They are required to every time they, they grow. And this is the thing is there's a lot of M&A activity going on behind the scenes in the real estate market. You've got big deals. You're talking about in, uh, what to say, October? In October alone, right? This past October, there was over $30 billion worth of real estate M&A, right? Just big, big funds buying little funds because their assets, their asset values are still super high, but their current valuations are so low, there's this huge disconnect. And they're like, we need to take advantage of that now. And so when those when those multi-billion dollar firms are saying we need to take advantage of that and they're throwing $30 billion a month into the market, retail investors need to take note. Retail investors need to listen. You know, there is a lot of activity going on. There are a lot of things out there that have the same assets that they had in 2021 when they were worth, you know, like I said, with Innovative Industrial, $300 a share, and they're trading for like 100 bucks a share now. Same assets. If you factor in inflation, the assets are worth more. You yeah. know, they're still making the same amount of rent. A lot of them have added new tenants, you know, so they're making more money, but they're priced down here. You know, it's this disconnect. And those are the things that you look for as an investor to exploit. So I would say definitely real estate, my big thing in 2024, um, everybody needs to going into 2024 needs to needs to be looking very seriously at publicly traded real estate. You don't have to go out and take out an 8% mortgage and buy a house. Yeah, but like, I mean, that's... Take 100, take 200, take 10 bucks and put it into some of these real estate stocks. Yeah, you you uh, you just get this, invest in this company, sit back and collect. You don't have to worry about you calling people, nothing. calling like the a, a tenant to get now. paid, you know, yeah. re- doing renovations on it. You just... You let, don't even have to make movies it. for Instagram. You <laughs> literally get paid to do nothing. It's amazing. And these are the best kind of companies. They're some of the most uh, successful investments. The most successful investors out there love them. Brian, I know you guys, you know, have heard Brian's advice and has seen how accurate he can be. They are some of his favorite investments. That's why he and I are constantly talking back and forth because, you know, we are both big on these. We are both very bullish on them. And so, yeah, real estate. All right. Let's, that's, your, that's your mandate for 2024, folks. It is. Well, thanks a lot, Jason. No problem. Um, thanks for having if me you on. Need to, um, if you want to learn more about Jason's services, he's got quite a few of them, uh, check out the link in the descriptions below and like, comment, subscribe, and all that stuff. And we'll see you next time.